Jesus, wonderful name. We are studying the book of Romans chapter 12, and I hope you can turn with us there today because this is a very great and wonderful chapter. Now, Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is something that God is only asking that's logical. And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable or well-pleasing and perfect will of God. Now today, I am going to give you three steps of biblical meditation. Now when I talk about meditation, I am not talking about the passive meditation that the Oriental religions talk about of emptying your mind. As a matter of fact, that kind of passive meditation is a very dangerous thing. Because the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 makes a statement that you simply must keep in mind. He says, but the unclean spirit when it is gone out of the man, Matthew 12, 43, passeth through the waterless places seeking rest and findeth it not. Now when you engage or when one engages in that passive meditation, he might clear out all of those evil spirits, but then Jesus says, that evil spirit says, I'll return into my house whence I came out, and when he is gone, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more evil than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is become worse than the first. Now, passive meditation of emptying your mind, therefore, is a very dangerous thing. Psalm 1 tells us the kind of meditation that we should engage in. I hope all of you have memorized Psalm 1. Can you quote it with me? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the wicked, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate five minutes a day. <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? On his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, someone gives the secret of a happy, successful, prosperous Christian life. So what I'm going to tell you today can transform your life. Now, the writer of the Psalms says, happy. That's what the word blessed means. Happy, joyful is the man that does not do three things. One, that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Two, does not stand in the way of sinners. Three, does not sit in the seat of the scoffers. Now, don't do those three things, but do do these two things. Delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law meditate day and night. And if you will not do the three things in verse 1 and do the two things in verse 2, you can claim this promise. You'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also doth not wither. 
and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, how do you meditate? Remember, meditation, according to the Bible, is meditating on God's law day and night. Now, I just mentioned this in our previous lesson, and I want to give you three steps to meditation. Memorize, measure, and motivate. First of all, memorize a passage of Scripture. Now, I can feel some of you resisting me right now, and you say, Dr. B. Sure, I just don't have a good memory. I had a lady come up to me after I'd preached on the importance of memorizing the Word of God, and she says, you know, I just don't have a memory. I can't memorize the Word of God. And I said, well, I'm going to give you a little memory test. And I took out a pen and a piece of paper, and I said, uh, what's your name? And she gave me her name. And I said, what's your address? She gave me her address. What's your phone number? What's your husband's name? What are your children's name? You have three children. What are their names? When were they born? Give me your birthday. What's your husband's birthday? What kind of car do you drive? And she is getting a little annoyed, thinking that this was preliminary to the test. And I said to her, Madam, you have passed the memory test. She says, what do you mean? You didn't give me a memory test. I said, yes, I did. You showed me that you remembered your name. You have remembered your address. You have remembered your phone number. You have in your memory your husband's name. When he was born, you know your children's names, their phone numbers, their ages. You've got a very good memory. Hey, do you know you can memorize what you want to memorize? Memory is made up simply of repetition and, and interest. What you repeat with interest, you will memorize. Now, my friend, you can memorize the Word of God. And I challenge you to memorize a passage of Scripture like Romans chapter 12 that has a list by which you can measure yourself. Look at this list in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. In love of the brethren, be tenderly affection one to another. In honor, preferring one another. In diligence, not slothful. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, what I want you to do is spend two weeks memorizing Romans chapter 12. And in two weeks, you could memorize that. Memorize a passage like 1 Corinthians 13 that has 16 characteristics of love. And then the third week, begin to measure yourself according to the passage. And what you would do if you've memorized Romans chapter 12 is write down, like verse 9, love without hypocrisy, and put numbers 1 to 10 after that, and measure yourself. Are you really loving without hypocrisy? Maybe you find you only give yourself a 3 or a 4 there. Abhor that which is evil. Are you abhorring all of the evil you see 
when you see it on television or wherever you see evil, you may only give yourself a two or a three there. Are you cleaving to that which is good? You may give yourself a five there, and so on through the passage. Or you come to 1 Corinthians 13, you will write down, Love suffereth long and is kind. You will say, long-suffering, kindness, envy, love doth not von itself, is not puffed up. You'll put each of those words down there, and then one to ten measure yourself for a week. Honestly evaluate where you are. And then the fourth week, after you've memorized the passage of Scripture and keep going over it in your mind, and keep honestly measuring yourself that third week, the fourth week say, God, I'm not satisfied with that three or four about my love. Bring me up to a six or seven, even an eight. I'm not abhorring that which is evil enough. God, give me a hatred of evil and help me cleave to that which is good. You see, you're actually taking steps that Paul gives you here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that's the way to overhaul or renew your mind, bring you up to a higher level. In this connection, turn to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. And we'll read 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12. But that is, as it is written, things which eye saw not, and ear heard not, and which entered not into the heart of man, whatsoever things God prepared for them that love him, but unto us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For who among men knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God none knoweth, save the Spirit of God. But we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might know the things which were freely given us of God. So we're not going to take the spirit of the world, but we're going to take the spirit of God and take the sword of the spirit. And first of all, what's the first point? Good, you remembered it. Memorize. Second point, can you remember it? Good. Measure. Third point, motivate to a higher level through prayer. Now, why do we do that? Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, a better word for prove there would be demonstrate, that you may demonstrate to this world what is now, there are three levels here I want you to notice. What is the good? Now, some people are not even in that first level of the will of God. But there are three levels of the will of God here. The good level, 
the acceptable or well-pleasing level, or the perfect level. And the Greek word for perfect is teleos or telaios, which means to bring to completion. It's the word that's used of the Lord Jesus himself, that he was made perfect through sufferings. He was brought to completion through sufferings. Now, beloved, you and I are to begin climbing up this lever, this ladder of the will of God that we might come to know the good will of God and then go up to a higher level and do the well-pleasing will of God and then finally get up to that highest level where we are performing the perfect will of God. Now, my friends, God has a will for your life. That's the first thing I want you to know. God has a will. He has a vocational will for your life. Notice the book of Ephesians chapter 4 in this connection. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, we need to make certain we're in the vocation that God has called us to be in. God has called me to be a minister and to minister over the radio around the world. He has called some to be missionaries. He has called to be some to be doctors, lawyers, plumbers, workers in factories, housewives in the home, mothers. But whatever God has called you to do is just as sacred for you to do what God has called you to do as it is for what he has called Moses to do. So there is no difference between the sacred and the secular. Now, I'm going to give you some points on how to know God's will. I hope you can jot them down. I have a cassette tape on the will of God that goes into this in great detail, and if you want it, write for the cassette on how to know God's will. It is $5, but it will profit you. But here it is, quickly. The first step in finding God's will is you must be willing to do anything that God wants you to do. John 7, 17 is the guiding star of my life. If any man will to do his will, he shall K-N-O-W. God wants you to know his will. And if you're honestly willing to do anything that God wants you to do, he will reveal his will to you. The second step are the steps in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. First of all, just turn your life over to the Lord and trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't try to work the thing out yourself. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Just be honest and say, Lord, 
I'm going to acknowledge you in everything. Now, the third step is to be frank and honest about your need of God's guidance. Just come to him and say, God, I'm telling you, I don't have enough sense to know what I ought to do. And I'm admitting to you, I don't know what I ought to do. And unless you guide me, I'm going to fall. First step, you must be willing. Second step, trust in the Lord and acknowledge him. Third step, be frank about your need of God's guidance. Now, the fourth step is take the means that God has placed at your disposal. And the first thing, of course, is the Word of God. And this brings us back to the three steps of meditation. Do you remember them now? Try to say them with me. What's the first step of meditation? Memorize. Secondly, measure. Third, motivate to a higher level. Take the Word of God and memorize it. Now, the second thing that God has placed at our disposal is prayer. The psalmist in Psalm 119, 133 said, Order my steps in thy word, and not let, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. God will say things to you on your knees that he would never say any other time. But pray and ask God for guidance. Confess your sins and ask him to guide you. Now, the third thing that he's placed at our disposal is wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, listen carefully. I'm going to give you my definition of wisdom. Wisdom is that practical understanding of the mind of God that enables man to do God's will upon this earth as it is done in heaven. So God will give us wisdom if we will just ask for it. In 1 Kings chapter 3, when Solomon dedicated the temple, God came to him and said, Solomon, ask of me anything you want. Now, Solomon could have asked for the life of his enemies. He could have asked for wealth, riches, or long life, but he did not ask for any of those things. He just said, Lord, I don't know how to lead this people. Give me wisdom to know how to be king over Israel. And that request so pleased the Lord when Solomon said, I'm a little child, Lord. I don't know how to go out or come in. Just give me wisdom that God made him the wisest of all men in the world. So, use wisdom. Now, the fourth thing that God has placed at our disposal are outward circumstances. Romans 8.28, Paul says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. When I was a very young man, I was engaged to a girl who was a little bit older than I was. And I went away to college. And she was to come to college after me. And while I was away at college, she broke up with me. And boy, I thought my heart was going to break. She said, I'm not going to come there. 
And unless you'll come home and marry me, I am going to break up with you. Well, I knew I had my college before me. And there in college, with a broken heart, I met Lois, who was God's choice for me. And while this first girl was taken away from me, whom I thought was God's choice for me, God worked everything out and gave me his choice for my life. So if you will just follow God's leading, he will lead you step by step and look for the outward circumstances and ask God to close the door. When I was engaged to that first girl, I said, Lord, if you don't want me to marry her, you close that door somehow. And that door was closed. Now here are some don'ts. First of all, never make a decision when you're angry, disappointed. I have known ministers who have been angry and resigned their churches and got out of God's will. Don't ever make a decision when you're angry or sick or under pressure of some kind. Second, don't. Don't go from Christian to Christian asking what God's will is for you. Seek careful counsel of good, spirit-filled believers. And then third, once you, once you know what God's will is, never change your mind. Now, six, here are some tests for God's will. Is what you're going to do please him? Will it glorify him? And do you have peace about it? And then seventh, do the job at hand. Just do what God calls you to do. I was up in Toronto, Canada on one occasion in the home of a very refined, cultured attorney. He had one of the loveliest, most beautiful daughters I'd ever seen who was about 15 years old. And she wanted to go to a certain place where young people went, which would compromise the standards of that family. And the father said to her, Jane, I just don't think you ought to go there. And she says, Daddy, you're going to make me an old maid. And I said to her, I want you to know something. Do you know where your mom and dad met each other? She said, no. I said, do you know they met in a mission down on Skid Row? She looked at me and she said, I can't believe it. I said, yes. Your dad came from a church over on the east side to give his testimony at the mission down on Skid Row, and your mother came from a church over on the west side to sing. And while doing God's work, they were brought together and met each other in the most unlikely place in the world. Now, my friend, if you'll just do the job at hand, God will bring you to the place where you will know God's will. Now, I hope you'll be open and willing to do whatever God wants you to do. If you'd like today's cassette, it is number 235. Ask for 235. Send a love gift of $5, and you can have everything we've said today on today's broadcast for that $5 love gift. Now, Lois and I want you to go to Israel with us in November. It's lovely there. It's not so hot. It is just a perfect time of the year. It is not so crowded. We're going to go to Jordan, Greece, and Rome. Write for your brochure today. May God bless you richly is my prayer. You've just heard another worldwide broadcast of the Bible Institute of the Air. We invite you to be a partner in this international ministry, both prayerfully and financially. 
Address your letter and send your gift to the Bible Institute of the Air, Box 5000, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Please mention the call letters of this station when you write to the Bible Institute of the Air, Box 5000, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. And join us again for our next broadcast. This program is sponsored by the Bible Institute of the Air, Box 5000, Costa Mesa, California, 92626, and is supported by concerned partners in this area. It is Dr. Bishore's earnest prayer that through today's study, you have been able to find God's answers for your life's problems. With faith to guide me, I found my way. The sun is shining for You're listening to KSKY, Dallas, Texas, 660 on your radio dial, the 10,000-watt gospel voice for the great Southwest.